Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. This morning I want to take and um, carry on a little bit with where we've been going about seeing with the eyes of the Spirit. I think this is one of the greatest, not just revelations, but one of the greatest things to have activated in a church is when our service for the King moves beyond just attending meetings. And there's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord together. As a matter of fact, Paul said that um, whatever we do, especially as we see the time approaching, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But there's a reason that we come together, and it's more than just so that we can be together. There's a reason uh, that he wants us to be together. It's for fellowship and encouragement and all of the things that happen, and those are all good. But there's a spiritual component. There's actually a spiritual activation. That's one one of the main things why we come together is so that we can be activated within our, our uh, lives before Christ, that the way we live our lives is not just living it for ourselves. And so um, what I want to do today is take you into, I think, a, um, a couple ideas, but a main component about how to activate your supernaturals. How do, you, how do I actually bring myself to where I can see things, not just with my natural eye, but where I can start seeing things that, that uh, maybe the way the Lord's perspective what God's doing in the day that we live in. Just so you know, God's not dead, and you all know that. But he's very active today. Uh, I wanna, I, I'm not asking God to come and bless what we're doing. What, what I'm believing is, Lord, we want to see what you're doing, and then we just want to participate in that. Whatever you're doing, Lord, we, we want to say yes to that. How many love the Word of God? <laughs> Lord, anoint this book today so that we can receive everything we need out of it for life in the Spirit, to show the love of Jesus to everybody we need and everybody we meet, and Lord, let us be doers of the word and not just hearers. Amen. So I want to pick up over in John chapter 1. That's kind of been our, our launching point. But over in John chapter 1, verse 51, I'm just going to kind of launch into this as we go into this idea about uh, getting practical about how to activate or turn on your supernatural vision and your supernatural eyes. Here, uh, Jesus is ministering to Nathaniel, and he goes through this whole thing, ministers of a prophetic word as Nathaniel. It, it brought him to faith in Christ, brought him to belief. In verse 51, Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you'll see, you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Seeing the reality of the supernatural activity, what, what took place is Nathaniel was brought into where he began to see actually uh, a supernatural activity, but he began to see with the prophetic eye. Jesus said, you're going to see things happen in the future. That without this encounter that you're having right now, you would not have been able to see. Every one of us needs to have a continuing type relationship and encounter with God to where we're not just focused on, on what's happening to us. And I know uh, life is challenging and life is hard. Man, the last two years have been crazy, right? I know it affected you folks up here. It affected everybody everywhere worldwide. Our church in San Antonio was shut down for a couple months. I know people's was shut down for a season. 
And uh, who would have ever dreamed three or four years ago if somebody would have said, oh, there's coming a time when basically all the churches in the world are going to shut down all at once. We, did, we would have said, well, what kind of weird prophecy is that? But yet, we lived through that. Um, uh, you're more than a conqueror because you made it through it. You're still here. You didn't quit. You didn't leave. You didn't give up halfway through. And we're still here. But uh, at some point, uh, you, you begin to look at, Lord, what are you doing in the midst of all of this? I know what you were doing in my life during that season. I know I needed more than I ever did during that season. But God, I want to, I want to be a part of what you're doing. God is up to something. Amen? You, re- you remember the old saying, when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. Well, that was really the case in so many, in so many places. It seemed like, well, Lord, uh, how are we going to make it? Well, the Lord makes a way where there seems to be no way. But here Nathaniel was, uh, Jesus told him, he said, you're going to have, you're going to begin to see with prophetic eyes. And, and one of the, the main points in that is that keep Jesus as the center of your supernatural activity. What he told him was, uh, Nathaniel, from here on out, after this, you're going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending where? Upon the Son of Man. What he was saying is, you're going to see what God's, uh, what this whole thing's all about and how I, I am the center is what he was saying. I'm the reason. I'm, I'm the whole plan that has been from the beginning. And whenever you begin to see in the supernatural, we're not looking for just angels. We're not looking for just the miraculous or signs and wonders. What we're looking for is all of those things point to Christ. Amen? And point to him in a greater revelation. Yeah, there's, there's that, uh, believing and, and getting saved and all of that, but that's just the starting point. So I want to take you over to Second Kings to a story. Um, uh, that is just a powerful story. But over in 2 Kings chapter 6, turn there if you, if you will. We're going to dive in and there are actually three points that I'm going to cover. I'm only going to cover one today because I believe it's one of the, it's one of the major ones we need to spend whatever, uh, time that I have here this morning on it. But over in 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 8. And we're just going to start reading, then we'll pick up from there. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. Just one little caveat. Uh, if you have not realized that you're in a spiritual battle, uh, I will just clue you in right now. You're in a spiritual battle. There's always been a spiritual battle going on. The kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. The great news is we're on the winning side. Turn to somebody and say, we're on the winning side. But here, it was happening way back then. The king of Syria is making war against Israel. The powers of darkness were coming against the, the people of God. And he, that is the um, uh, king of Syria, consulted with his servants because there was something unusual going on. The king of Syria said, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not once, not just once or twice. Therefore the king of the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. The world hates it whenever there's a prophetic voice that is operating in the in the day that we live in. And that's what was going on there. I believe that's happening in, in the day that we live in as well. Uh, but the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled, and he called for his servants, and he said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He thought there was a spy in the camp. Verse 12, And one of his servants said, None, O my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel the word that you speak in your bedroom. And so he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he's in Dothan. Verse 14, Then he sent horses, chariots, a great army there. And they came that night, they surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And a servant said to him, Alas, my master, what do we do? So he answered and said, Do not fear. One of the great texts of the Old Testament. Do not fear. One of the great texts of the Bible. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Somebody say, Thank you, Jesus. We're on the winning side. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, now we've been talking about seeing with the eyes of the Spirit. 
We're talking about how to activate your supernatural vision today. Here, Elisha is praying for this uh, young man who was an intern for him, was serving him in the ministry. He said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Well, he wasn't blind. He was seeing, right? So he's not talking about just his natural vision, is he? He's not talking because he came back and said, man, we're surrounded out there. I went out this morning early, and the hills are all full of the Syrian army. So he was seeing, but Elisha knew that what he really needs to be seeing, he was not able to see. What he's saying is, Lord, you need to open his spiritual eyes. You need to open him so he can see what's really going on. And so he prayed, and he asked them, the Lord to open his eyes. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses. By the way, that's one of the great, um, uh, greatest affirmations of answered prayer. Elijah prayed, opened his eyes, and it said that the Lord did, and the young man saw. What he began to see, he began to see what the prophet was able to see. He began to see, he, what, he, what he was really happening is he was beginning to see the reality of what the situation really was. If you just see with your natural eyes, you're not even giving half the vision. Why? Because our lives are far more supernatural than just natural. Now, I know the world tries to tell us that it's not that way, that we, we live and operate out of our five senses, but that's just very temporal. That's very, uh, you know, we're here for just a short season. It's like we're here for a vapor and, and, and that kind of thing. And if you just live your life looking at, 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 at the world through your natural eyes, you're not even getting half the picture. It's when you begin to see the activity of what God's doing uh, in the supernatural realm. That's when you really begin to understand this is what life's all about. So he opened his eyes. He saw and it says, Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I'm sure at that point he was really glad that he was a servant of Elisha. He was a partaker. He was in the proximity. And he was covered under that protection. Verse 18, so the Syrians came down to him. Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people. I pray with blindness. Isn't it amazing in the supernatural battle, the victory went to those who could see and uh, the defeat went to those who could not see. That's a very telling point, by the way. Uh, And so the Lord struck the Syrians with blindness. And Elijah said to them, verse 19, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to there and to Samaria. And so it was when he, they had come to Samaria that the Lord, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And there they were inside Samaria. Then he goes on and the king asked Elijah, shall I, shall I kill him? And Elijah said, no, that's not the way we're going to operate here. But rather prepare a great feast that, that after they uh, ate and drank, he sent them away over this over in verse 23. And they went to their master. They went back to the king. So the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. The victory is won simply by those who saw and by those who couldn't see. I believe today that there are people, people of God, good people, uh, filled with the Spirit of God. And yet they live not never reaching their full potential because they never come to a point of where they really see not just what God's purpose for them is, but they never see the true activity of what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in the day that we live in. I believe that we're living in a day when God is doing more than what we could ever dream and imagine. And I'm, uh, I, I, we've mentioned this a couple times, but I'm just going to recap for, because I think it's one of the most significant things in the past 50 years, the whole overturning of Roe v. Wade. I believe it's in, in a very um, real sense, I believe it's a fulfillment of Malachi chapter 4, where it said that uh, unless the hearts of the fathers are turned to the children, and the hearts of the children turn to the fathers, the Lord's going to, there'll be great destruction come upon the land. But when that happens, the turning of hearts, there'll be a great blessing in favor of the Lord. Uh, there are those that study such things that said that would never happen. And yet, in a very short amount of time, it did happen. We lived through that. We're living through that right now. I think it's a significant, significant event. Uh, 
I think things that are going on in Europe right now with the war in Ukraine and, and, and just the world stage being so chaotic. I think there's, uh, there's things that if, if we just listen to what the news says, it can be very discouraging. But if you see with the eyes of the Spirit, it becomes evident God is up to something. God is doing something not just uh, behind the scenes, but out in the open. But to really perceive the reality of what's going on, you're going to have to see what's happening in the, that it's a spiritual thing. And it's not just a political thing or a legal matter or finally we've got the right judges on the court and all of that. All of those things had to happen, but the Lord is in charge. He raises up those, and he takes down others. But God's in charge of it all. And so uh, uh, that's one thing that I, that I recognize. God's doing something in our day. I believe there's a tremendous stirring within the church, the corporate bride of Christ worldwide. There's a cry coming out of the hearts of leaders all across the world saying, we need another great awakening. We need another revival to come upon the people of God like has happened in times past, but we need one today. Every Thursday, I'm part of a prayer call. That goes, I was connected with Grace International and with the, with a lot of the missionaries from around the world. And it's just a, it's just a general, uh, prayer meeting. There's a Facebook, um, uh, not a Facebook, but a Zoom call that you get on. And it's not just pastors in, in the city. And that's good that we do that. But it's, it's Christian leaders from all over the world. And the thing that, that I love is I love just listening to the prayers, of course, agreeing with the prayers. But, uh, it's been going on for ever since COVID started, I think is when this prayer meeting started a couple of years ago. And, uh, one thing has become evident as I've listened now for a couple of years is that the same, uh, sense of what needs to happen is not only in the leaders in America, not only the leaders in South America, the leaders in Europe, and go through the whole way. It's the leaders everywhere. And the heart is, God, come. We need another Great awakening. We need another day of Pentecost. We need another rushing, blowing, mighty uh, move of the Holy Spirit to come upon the world that we live in. And that is the very thing that Second uh, Chronicles 7 says, that if my people will humble themselves and pray. And so that is happening. We're, we're just a little part of it. But I know the, the greatest prayer movement that has gone on probably ever is happening right now. Millions and millions of believers are connecting through, you know, uh, the Internet and Zoom and all of those connections, millions of them are interconnected all over the world. There's more prayer happening now. And the overall gist of the main thing they're praying for is God open the heavens and send a great outpouring. We need it. That is something that the Holy Spirit is doing in the hearts of people. I suspect it's happening right here. Well, I know it is because I was at a prayer meeting last week here. And I heard that same thing being prayed for without it being led by you know, by, by a pastor or by a leader, just uh, spontaneously, uh, the people of God are sensing the same thing. It's not that, oh, here's the leaders and here's the laity and these folks up here are the only ones here. No, everybody is hearing. And they're hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Come. Over in the book of Revelation, John, as he was getting uh, at the very beginning of that revelation, not too far in, he was taken to heaven. And it says that there was a strong angel that said, come up here. I want to show you things to come. I believe that same process is happening today where the people of God are given the invitation and many, many are saying yes to it. And he's saying, come up here. Come up out of just the, the mundane uh, things that, are, that life is involved in and just living in this world. Come up a little higher and I want you to see things in the spirit realm that it is my heart to do. We're living, I think, the greatest churches that are ever going to be built are yet to be built. I think the greatest revival of harvest of souls, people being gathered in the kingdom, is still coming. It's not that it happened 200 years ago in the Great Reformation. No, there's a third Reformation that is coming, I'm believing, that, and that we're going to see, because something's happening right now in the Muslim countries of the Middle East. And they're not friends of Christians, just so you know, and you know that. But there's something happening in that, in many, many of the um, Islamic countries right now, the... Um, uh, their houses of worship are empty. 
The imams are having visions and, and dreams of Jesus, of a Messiah who's coming. He's calling them to come, and they are saying yes to, the, to, to Jesus. They're getting saved. They're leaving the faith that they were raised in in, in, um, uh, in their Islamic belief. And there is a, such a tremendous revival of people getting saved in Iran, for one place. There's a testimony out on YouTube. Uh, we, we need to show it, actually. But there are tens of thousands of people that are converting to Christ, and there's not an active church in that country. So there's just such a small, small uh, segment of it. What's happening? God is doing what he said he would do from every kindred, from every tribe, from every nation, from every land, from every color, from every place. I'm going to have those that are going to come in uh, to the kingdom of God. Yes, we send missionaries. We preach. Um, I believe that's one of the great things with the whole um, uh, technical revolution. Yes, it's for all the advances of society. But the great thing that it's used for is the gospel can reach the whole world. There's not a place that is not reachable with the message of Christ that we live in the world today. Every place. Elon Musk putting up all these satellites. Oh, yeah, Elon's a smart guy. He's a great guy. He's a wealthy guy. Richest man in the world. But you know what's going to go over his satellites? It's not going to be TikTok and YouTube. That'll go over those satellites and all that kind of stuff. But I guarantee you, I absolutely prophesy to you, what's going to be beaming over Elon's satellites in the places that have never received it are going to be people declaring the good news of Jesus Christ, declaring the simple gospel message, declaring that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for you, and people are going to come that would have never come before. So thank God that he takes the, uh, uh, that he takes the wisdom of the world and that God puts his anointing upon it and it's used to confound the enemy. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Do more and do more in the day that we're living in. So uh, what happened over here in 2 Kings chapter 6 is um, at first in verse 16, uh, the young man saw and he said, man, we're surrounded and it's bad. There is a lot of enemies out there. I'm going to tell you, if you just look around the world, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff that's sideways. You just look at our nation. America needs prayer, Right? Amen. Look at the Middle East. Middle East needs. I mean, you go through. It's bad. It's easy to just to get stuck there, man. There are we are surrounded. They hate the church. There's probably persecution in some level coming in in ways that we've never dreamed of. But the prophet, the prophet, the prophetic voice was is in verse sixteen. He said, "Don't fear." He said, "I've seen something that you haven't seen yet. I'm I'm able to see into a realm that." Um, uh, you're not seeing yet, but we're going to get that fixed. We're going to take care of that. There's a couple of things. You fear what you don't understand. So if you just look at the problems, say, of our nation and think it's a political problem, yeah, you can get very fearful about that. But the problems of our nation are not just political. They're spiritual. Amen? They're not just, uh, if we get the right person in the, in the, in DC, in the White House, then it'll be all better. No, it won't. Oh, I want, I want the right person in there. And I, I do. I want righteous people ruling over us. I believe in that. I pray for that every day. But I'm going to tell you what. It doesn't matter who's in there. God's in charge. And so as believers, our response is never to be one of fear of what's going on. Why? Because we serve the God who's in charge of everything. But you fear what you don't understand. The second thing is, is you understand what you experience. Now, I can listen to your testimony about what happened in your life or what you did or, or what your uh, journey has been with the Lord, and, and I will be blessed by that. But unless I, until I experience it for myself, I'm never going to understand what you understand. Does that, does that make sense to you? you? You understand what you experience. And the third point of this is you experience what you see. Pastor Mike's passionate appeal. Man, get those young people up to camp. Why? Because they're going to see things that they won't see right here on a Sunday morning. Ha <laughs> ha. Somebody say, thank God. You need to pray for that camp this week, that they have a move of the Holy Ghost, and that uh, supernatural stuff happens in our, in our, in our children, amen, and, and all of those that go. That's what that thing's all about. They need to have their own experience. You know, trying to live on grandma and grandpa's anointing, or even on mom and dad's experience, it's not good enough. They've got to have their own. 
I was saved in the Jesus people movement, you know, the hippies. And all I wasn't a hippie because I grew up in northern Idaho and there were no hippies there. No, no hippies were allowed in northern Idaho. Then, so. <laughs> if your hair was down halfway over your ear, you were going to the barber. I mean, that's the way that thing was. And uh, uh, But I got saved during that. And I was in a little church in Spokane, Washington. That was my first experience. Grew up in a Methodist church, but that was my first experience in, in a full gospel church. And uh, in just a few months, there were like four or five times as many youth in the church as there were older folks. I just thought that's what church was. I thought church at that point was kind of a teenage thing. That's just, that was my experience. But it was during those times that the call of God came upon my life. It was during those times I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was during those times that I just didn't hear about the testimonies of what happened back in the 40s. I began to experience. But you know what? That was my day back then. They need one today. Your teenagers, our young people need one of those today. I would love to see all of us old folks have to be crammed over in one corner while the rest of it was overrun by teenagers. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Come on, somebody. It would be awesome. I would, I'm just believing God for things that we haven't experienced for 40 or 50 years, that there's a new day, there's a fresh wind, there's a fresh wave that I believe is coming upon our land. So those, those three things, um, are, are kind of what was taking place in, in Elisha's servant. And there are three things I believe that activate supernatural eyes. And I'm only going to cover one of them today. And so I'm going to start in on that. Become involved in something bigger than yourself. If you want to begin to see the thing, the way God sees things, you're going to have to become involved in something bigger than just your own concerns. Verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God, I'm going to stop there. I don't know how he got the job. I don't know if he responded to a Hebrew Facebook ad or, or whatever was going on back then. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if he had an uncle in the school of the prophets. I don't know what was going on. But somewhere, somehow, some way, there was an interaction of people where this young man got placed with the prophet to serve him. The point here that we're going to go into is that if you just take it there, it's real easy to just uh, come to the thinking that, well, he was Elisha's servant, which meant he was doing the menial task that the prophet needed to have done for him. But yet when you look at the original, not just the text, but when you begin to break down the original language that is used here, you'll find that 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 is not at all what the job description was. It wasn't just to come and make sure his laundry was done or make sure his schedule was uh, in place or to make sure that they had uh, food for the day or any of that. It was something that was completely different. And so when you read, oh, here is the um, here is the young man and he's there and he's the servant of the man of God. And he rose early. It's easy to think we was just there doing mundane tasks. But what he was really doing was it was a very much a, an act of ministry and an act of supernatural ministry that was taking place. That position. Why does that matter? Why is that important? Because today, uh, Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, we all get this, this principle, if you will, this spiritual truth. He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you what? You serve. He said, and he said I didn't come to be served, speaking of himself, but he said, I came to serve. And so he laid down the pattern for us. And so with that, we get that, we understand it, but we think, well, uh, the extent of my service, uh, if I'm not called or if I'm not a speaker, if I'm not, a, is just, you know, I'll clean that, I'll order this, I'll, I'll hang that, I'll, I'll teach there, I'll drive this, I'll do, and we just kind of reduce it to menial tasks. And that is not at all what serving in the kingdom is about. The menial tasks need to be done. But guess what? Every pastor, it's good for him to clean a toilet or two now and again. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to give you an insight, and it's probably going to embarrass them, but I've known them for quite a while, so I'll ask forgiveness. I didn't ask permission, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness afterwards. So. But when Pastor Malky's memorial service was happening here, we watched from Texas online, because I, I knew, knew them for 40-plus years, and we couldn't be here personally. But I saw, we saw this room was packed. I suspect that you were all here. It was, it was packed. 
What a testimony to that man of God's service. How blessed this church has been. You have been. I have been. Because I, I'm, I'm reaping where I didn't sow. And I understand that completely. But a lot of the preachers, I think they were kind of down here, the older ones. They're my generation. Now, they, they look older than I do. but They're not here to defend themselves. But uh, uh, there you go. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, afterwards, we were texting, talking, all that. And it was like, wow, man, what a, what a great memorial service and all that. You want to know what I heard from probably at least four to half a dozen of uh, the guys of my generation that knew Pastor Larry and we've been all hanging around. But, you know, Grace International came out of Southern California, and so a lot of those, those guys, I mean, Mike grew up with them all and all of that. But Teresa Patterson was just going through about this whole place, cleaning and picking up and straightening and order, and I know she's uncomfortable, and Teresa, forgive me. But you want to know what they talked Not one of them mentioned the speaker, and the speaker was great. Not one of them mentioned the worship, but yet the worship was great. Not one of them mentioned the building, and the building is great. But what touched their heart was seeing somebody serving, not just serving the pastor or the people, but serving the king, doing it as unto the Lord. The menial task, Jesus said, that those, those things become the greatest in the kingdom. And so the enemy loves to perpetrate this lie and come, uh, and come against uh, your, uh, not self-image, but the way that you would, would look at yourself. Well, I'm just this. Never say, well, I'm just this. It, David said, I'll be a doorkeeper in the house of God. That will be sufficient for me. I'll be one that will, will, will take the most menial task and do it as under the Lord. We're told to do everything we do as a Christ follower. Everything we do, not just in the house of God, but on your job out there with your husband and your wife at home, with your kids, your grand, with your neighbors, with your dog or cat. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, you do it as unto Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for that. We do it as unto the Lord. And so this servant of Elisha's wasn't just there to pick up the laundry. Here, one of the things he was doing is that he was keeping an eye out. This wasn't just that morning. He got up every morning early and went out and looked at what's going on. Early in the morning, I'll rise up and seek you. That's what he was doing. This word servant that is translated here when it says, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and when the servant of the man, that word translate, it's almost always used, like 98% of the time uh, in the Old Testament, it's the use is always in when indicating service rendered in connection with Israel's worship. It's the word that is used of the Levite's service to the temple. It's the word used of, of those that would uh, kill the sacrifices and, and uh, you know, put the tent up and do all of the... It's always this thing. It's service was, this is those ones that their, their um, uh, efforts were centered and focused around and connected with Israel's worship. Whatever you do for the Lord today, I believe, is connected. In some way, you'll track it ultimately to where it's going to bring praise to the king. It's going to bring praise to the king. I've, I'm just beginning to familiarize myself uh, with this house and this church. And I will tell you, there's a, it's a number of things that I, it's unbelievably impressive to me. And I've been in a lot of churches through the years. And trust me, I'm not going anywhere. They told me, this is it. And so I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. My wife said, don't ever mention what we've been doing. Yeah, you all don't know that anyway. But um, So I've seen quite a few places. Something unique is here, and I know it's because of Pastor Larry and Grace. But it's not just them. You're involved in it. Something was released here. And there's a teaching, and I love it in the scriptures. Uh, the, the power of yes. There's the power of the invitation. Jesus was a master at giving invitation. They left their businesses like that and said yes. Oh, Lord, let that anointing. But there are people that have served here since the 70s. 
and they're still going strong. I'm amazed at that. That's rare these days. There are people that, that, you know, they start telling me the stories, and it's not, it doesn't just go back, you know, a few years. It goes back to a few decades. And I, I, uh, Susan and I have sat back and we just are humble before the Lord. We're saying, God, help us to, uh, to steward and to, and to just take where it is and not just move it ahead, but to, uh, to bring that, that, um, essence of what causes people to make connections like that, to keep that and even, even make it stronger than it's ever been. Because, uh, commitment to churches these days is totally different than it used to be within our parents' days, right? Easy come, easy go. Easy in, easy out. The old way was not that way. You stayed no matter what happened. Service. This servant was, was, uh, was in the, the whole connection that he was doing what was involved to bring the will of God and the purpose of God, not just to the prophet, but to the nation. What we're doing here today is not to just bring the kingdom of God to this church, not even to just our neighborhood or to our city, but it's to our nation and to the world. I want you to go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to just begin to expand on this and, and begin to wrap this up in the last few moments here. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, I want you to turn there. And, um, this is dealing with your identity as a Christ follower, your identity as a Christian, our identities as believers. In first, in first Peter chapter two, verse five, I'm just going to pick up verse five. I'm going to start reading at verse four. If you've got your Bible, great. If you're looking on the screen, it starts at verse five. But here Peter's saying, coming to him, the him is Jesus, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. He's talking about Jesus. Verse five, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. The Holy Spirit is actively doing something in this church. We're in a post. He's doing it in all churches. This is where we're at. This is where we're focused. He's actively doing something here. I've stepped in the middle of it, and yet it's very obvious to me very quickly, oh man, God's been doing something here. The Spirit of God is doing something here, and this is what he's doing. He's building up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's a mouthful right there. But that's what's happening in this church. The Holy Spirit, when you begin to look through the eyes of the Spirit, it's not like, oh yeah, we still got some people that haven't come back after COVID or this is going on or they're struggling. No, the Holy Spirit is acting on whatever level you're at, wherever you're at in your life. The Spirit of God is building you up as a part of this spiritual house, which is a part of the spiritual house called the family of the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ, the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what it's about. Verse nine. Now let's jump down to verse nine. Uh, but you, everybody say you. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, but you, but you. But you are a chosen generation. Stop listening to the lies of the devil telling you you're not worth anything. You're a chosen generation, uh, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Wow. You mean, are you sure he's talking about us? I'm positive he's talking about us. Matter of fact, I'm positive he's talking about you. And you, and you, and you. I'm positive he's talking about us. His own special people that you, and this is why, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you want to know what your job description is? Is that you would proclaim the praises of Jesus who called you out through the drawing of the Holy Spirit out of darkness into life. That is our job. That is our service description. What's my job? I am to proclaim the praises of the one that put me out of the pit of hell and brought me and placed me into the, into the center of the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. And my job is that my life would somehow enable others and me to bring glory to his name in this earth. It's not just about heaven. It's about what happens here. And then when we get to heaven, it really kicks in. <laughs> so there are four things here that, that you need to understand about how to activate your supernatural vision. Number one, you've got to realize he chose you. You didn't choose him. Over in the Gospels, Jesus said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. Um, every now and again, the Holy Spirit will just remind me of that. 
And I mean that sincerely. He would just remind me. And it's not because I'm getting proud or think, oh, man, I, I made the right choice. No, it's just that sometimes I need to realize, oh, Jesus, this isn't about what, what I did. This is about what you did. You chose me when I was just a mixed-up, depressed, half-suicidal teenager, and you chose me. I wouldn't have chosen me, but you chose me. If you read through the Gospels, uh, most of those disciples, you wouldn't have chosen, I wouldn't have chosen, but Jesus chose every one of them. <laughs> when you go into the Old Testament and look at the prophets and all that, most of them, they were all messed up in, in their own ways. A lot of the rulers, a lot of the kings, they were messed up. But yet God chose them. And when God chooses, when God chooses something, he commits himself that what he started in you, you know where I'm going, he's going to finish in you. That's the great thing about being chosen. He doesn't choose you. Get halfway in and go, oh man, I made a mistake. I should have had a V8. I guess I didn't say it. No, he knew it all. And yet he chose you. Thank you, Jesus. Just, just look to heaven and say, thank you, Jesus, for choosing me. <laughs> I don't think I would have, but you did. Thank you. He chose us. And he, and he said, he, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. What's that mean? It means you're connected directly to the bloodline of Christ. Through faith. By the propitiation of your sins. By, that is, by God doing something within you that in the spiritual DNA, he connects you to his own family. We become part of royalty. And I'm not going to go on and try to illustrate that. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can illustrate that, but I'm running out of time. You're a holy nation. That you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. But I thought the Bible said that there's no one holy. No, not one. And, and, and it does. And it's true. And that's right. Holiness is not what you bring. It's what he places on you. And he, when God looks at us, and this isn't a political thing, this isn't the boundary of nations, this isn't the United States, this is the household of faith. We are a holy nation. God looks at us, as a, and, and he goes on later, and he says that we become a peculiar people. And, uh, and he said, his own special people. One of the great things about the Old Testament and understanding what the nation of Israel was uh, all about, and the type that it was, and still is, is that it was God saying, I've got my own people separated unto myself, uh, and they're different than the rest of the world because of this, because they serve me. That's what Christians are today. We are a special people, not special in the fact that we're better than them, because we're not. The only thing that makes us in any way um, advantageous is what he's done in us. But what he's done in us is so amazing and so great that he said, you're a special nation unto me. God has a purpose and plan for you. I want you to go to First Peter now, same chapter, but over to verse 1. Supernatural eye-openers. I'm going to close with this. A few supernatural eye-openers. These things will help you be able to see into the Spirit. And he begins to lay this out. <clears throat> and he said, uh, if you were the ones that received the gospel that was preached to you, and we are, he said, now, therefore, laying aside all malice, there's some supernatural eye-openers that you're going to, that you're in charge of. Number one, uh, you're going to have to get over the stuff that makes you angry with people. You're going to have to lay aside most of your malice. <laughs> he said, you got to lay it all aside. But wait a second. They did this to me and, and I deserve... you got to lay it aside. If you're going to have your spiritual eyes open. Now, if you just want to live with the blinders on, just lucky to make it to church on Sunday. Man, pastor, pray for me. Man, the devil's been after me all week. Well, he's after all of this all the time. So, you know, welcome to the club. But greater is he that in you... Come on, sorry, then he listened to work. But you lay aside all malice. That's one thing. You got to get over it. All deceit. And I'm not going to go through every one of these, but uh, you're just going to have to take it for yourself. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. All malice and all evil speaking, they're connected. Why? Because if the malice is there, certainly at some point the evil speaking is going to be. They just. 
You get rid of the malice, it's much easier to put away the evil speaking. Well, what happens when you do that? Your spiritual eyes begin to be open. You're going to begin to see the way God sees things. You're going to see, oh man, that one I was speaking of, God's actually doing something in them. <laughs> Yay, Lord. And, and as newborn babes, Desire the pure milk of the word. You need to be in, if you want to have, if you want to be seeing in the spirit realm, you need to be reading, you need to be, you need to be in this every day. You need to be like that baby over there. What, three, four times a day? Five? How many times? I said, give me that bottle. Uh, not just three. A lot. Yeah. As newborn babies, this is for you, for me, all of us, as newborn babies, desiring the pure milk. That baby over there is not desiring Coke yet. <laughs> I don't know, but I do know this. Wants the bottle, wants the milk. I want, I want the good stuff. Desiring the pure milk of the word. This is the good stuff. And what happens when you do that? And you understand that when I do that, I'm going to grow. This word is going to cause me to grow. I'm going to begin to grow up in the things of Christ. I'm going to be begin to see like God sees. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many have tasted the graciousness of God in your life somewhere? Somewhere. That's why you're here today. Over in Revelation 1-4, don't go there. He can put it up on the screen. But he said, uh, in Revelation, he's carrying on this thought. And he said, we become a nation of kings and priests. We become a people of kings and priests. We serve our services rendered out of a foundation of power, not out of a foundation of weakness. God, what I'm saying is, God wants you to serve him. He's anointed you to serve him. He will anoint you to do what things that you're not able to do on your own. But he'll anoint you if you offer it unto him. Uh, that's being that king. Uh, the priest, uh, it, it, we become, one trans, one way to look at that is we become a kingdom of priests. We're, we're people of kings and priests, but also another way to break that down in, in language is we become a kingdom of priests. Priest, one who offers sacrifice and is in charge of things pertaining to sacrifice. That is, we are the ones in charge, uh, I believe, of praise and worship. And this is where I'm going to end today. If you want to find a way to open your spiritual eyes and see the things in the glory of God, a wonderful place to start is realizing I'm in charge of my own life to be a worshiper of God. We have a tremendous worship team here. Highly skilled. Highly anointed. Yeah, I'll put my hands together with that. Dedicated. But they're not going to make you a worshiper of God. That's all up to you. And if your worship is just contained to what happens on Sunday morning, as good as it is, but you need to be worshiping God every day of your life. Because that's what a servant does. That's what a priest does. One who offers sacrifices. Well, what is worship? Worship is the result of usually starting out with the sacrifice of praise. I can tell you, I get up pretty early every morning, and most of my mornings, as I go through my devotions, there's always a worship part, there's always that. But it almost always starts out, I never start out feeling, oh God, I just feel you. It's usually, I, I put on a, a, a YouTube song usually, and it starts out with, Lord, I praise you because you're worthy to be praised. Something along those lines. It starts out to be praised. And then my spirit man begins to take over my carnal man, and all of a sudden I begin to be linked with heaven. And not just linked here. My relationship goes vertical and not just horizontal all the time. Come on. We need to, in our relationship with the Lord, get it to where we are those that will praise the Lord when no one else will praise the Lord. Whenever it's not looking good, what do you do? You praise Him. We're in charge of, of that. So, how's that play out in a church? Here we go. I'm going to ask you to stand. And we already did. You guys did good, good job worshiping today. But here's the thing. I know we can do better. And this isn't about performance. And so please hear my heart on this. <clears throat> Whenever it comes to that time of the week when we gather together in the great congregation 
and the band hits the first note and it goes, don't wait for the song that you really like. I feel for you, Pastor Mike. (laughs) Right out of the gate, regardless what's up on the screen, because it isn't about you singing to some words up there. It's about you worshiping him. Oh, God, I lift my voice. I lift my hands. You need to lift your hands whether you feel like it or not. Well, I don't want to just be, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Oh, serving the Lord is not being a hypocrite. It's just getting, it's just mortifying your flesh. My flesh today, you're going to be a worshiper of God. And I'm going to lift my hands and exalt him. Now, I know your style. Some might worship like this. Others like this. Some might dance. Some might, I'm not talking about style. I'm just saying somewhere you got to get involved of lifting up the name of the Lord. And it might start out with praise. It probably will. But as you do that, and as we do that as a people together, something wonderful, incredible happens. Happens within a gathering like this. The Holy, the manifest presence of God in the Holy Spirit shows up in the room. Now anything's possible. <laughs> Catherine Kuhlman said the Holy Spirit loves the full building. Oh, we've, we're close enough. I'm, I'm impressed with the gathering. But it's more than just a full building and people. The Holy Spirit loves to fill the building himself. So I want to take as we close today, just shut your eyes, lift your hands for a moment, and could we become those priests that the Bible says that we are? Just begin to worship and just say, God, you're worthy. Jesus, thank you for calling me. In your own words, take the next 30 seconds and just begin to praise him. Right now, it's probably going to be a sacrifice because I hit you cold. I hit you. I didn't prep you for this, but uh, we're we're just coming into this point. We're going to be ministers unto the Lord. We're going to have our spiritual eyes open because, God, we're responsible for being those servants in the house of the Lord and that it be a house of praise. It be a house of worship. It be a house that is declaring the greatness and awesomeness of our God. Now, faith will declare those things that are not as though they... though they are. So right now we're going to worship in faith. Lord, I'm praising you for a great week of victory that this church is going to have. Lord, I'm praising you right now that there are going to be miracles take place within this body. Lord, I'm praising you right now that there are going to be those that have been sick with COVID and something I've never heard about, long COVID, that there are going to be some healings that take place in people's bodies this week and them being drained out is going to change and they're going to have their energy back in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm thanking you, God, that there are going to be those that get promotions on the job, businesses that get new deals this week, oh God. Families that are struggling, that peace is going to come upon the home. Husbands and wives that have been at odds, and all of a sudden the joy of the Lord is going to strengthen them right in the relationship with heaven and the relationship with each other. God, I pray that this would be a house of salvation, a house of miracles, a house of power, and a house of praise. Lord, because we are those that have been called as a royal nation, a chosen people, kings and priests unto our God. And Lord, we accept the duty to serve you today. Lord, we'll step up. Whatever needs to be done, we'll say yes to God. Whatever you're desiring up, we say yes to. Lord, the power of yes be released upon every person within this room in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray as your Holy Spirit speaks to each one of his individuals this week, whatever you might call and say and draw us to, we'll say yes. If it's you, we know that it's you, we're going to say yes to it, God. Remove the maybes, remove the, well, it's not time, it's not convenient. The obedient, yes, that's where we want to be at in Jesus' name. Now, let's put our hands together and say, thank you, Lord. That you're still working in the day that we live in. You're a great and mighty God. God bless you. I've gone long today and I apologize for that. Have a wonderful week. And uh, uh, I'll see you out in the foyer. If anybody needs prayer.